Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. Why don't you take your Bibles tonight and turn to the Gospel of John. This is a weekend where we we honor and we remember and we reflect. How many of you know it's so vitally important that we take time to slow down our busy lives and to really reflect deeply, think deeply, and remember the goodness of God on our country? In the midst of such great division and upheaval and turmoil, There's no other place that I'd rather be than the United States of America. I love my nation. I love our nation. Amen. Jesus said these words in John 15 and verse 13. He said, greater love has no one than this. And they laid down one's life for his friends. Greater love has no man, no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. We remember tonight that Jesus willfully laid down his life. It's, a, it's actually a scripture I love to quote because I believe that there's so much revelation in it. And it seems like every time I say it, I get more of a profound revelation that Jesus willfully gave his life. They could not take Jesus' life from him. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I have the power to lay down my life And I have the power to take up my life once again. Then, (laughs) here's the charge. This command I have received from my Father. That's powerful. That'll give you confidence. The kind of confidence and boldness that we sing about tonight. Jesus had from his Father. He wasn't in any kind of confusion. He was in no uncertainty. He knew his purpose and his destiny, and he came to lay his life down. Yet Jesus says, greater love has no one than this and to lay his life down for his friends. And I believe that in our generation, in this time, I believe it's so utterly important that we recapture the very essence and the very beauty of what true honor is for this generation. How many of you agree? I think it's vitally important because right now we're, we're in a very strange time um, with this generation is being told that, that heroes are people like Colin Kaepernick uh, who will not stand for the Star Spangled Banner or they're told that uh, a Time magazine will put on the front of their Heroes magazine that Bruce Jenner, who, who is a trans, is a hero. It wasn't too long ago that President Obama, I remember, brought a young girl from Michigan uh, who was fighting against her school uh, because she wanted her lesbian partner to be her uh, homecoming queen with her. And the president flew her in on Air Force One and brought her to the White House and paraded her as a hero, declared her a hero to the United States of America. I wonder where we've gone. But we have true heroes like Larry tonight in our midst. We have true heroes. We have heroes that are Marines, that are in the Navy, that are in the Air Force, that are in the Army, that are local firefighters. I met a firefighter before church 
tonight are our police officers. These are real heroes. Amen. These are real heroes that we must never forget. Arlington Cemetery, as President Ronald Reagan said, throughout those beautiful hills are the heroes of the United States of America. I believe that more than ever, we need to be encouraged and reminded we must live lives of honor. We must live lives of nobility. We must teach our kids to love this nation. We must teach our kids to honor this nation, serve this nation. We must teach our children how to pray for this nation, how to be bold and stand courageously for America in this hour. Amen? This generation needs mentors. They need coaches. They need fathers. They need mothers to show them the way how to love a country and what true nobility actually looks like, what heroes really look like so that they can frame and build their lives and follow those who are worthy to be followed. Are you with me tonight? It's our responsibility to pass on a a generational torch, a generational flame for this hour for our country. And I believe God is doing that. In Romans chapter 5, there's two verses I want us to look at tonight. Romans chapter 5, I'm going to begin to read in verse 7. And I know that they're helping you with scriptures there on the screen. You can put it in your notes. It says, For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone will dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that powerful? Tonight I want to talk about the value and the importance of remembering. I think it's so important, this virtue of remembering. Write it down tonight. Remember. Remember. I mention this again because it is, it is our responsibility to teach the next generation the meaning of honor when it comes to Memorial Day. They have to learn our history They have to learn of the sacrifices that have been made for our freedoms. I, I, for some reason, I woke up at quarter to four this morning and my my mind was in many places and screaming for coffee. And and so uh, I went downstairs and and made my first cup. Um, But I went to a few places, um, even before I went to the scriptures, I went to a few places that my mind was at and I... I wanted to refresh um, my mind about a movie that I love called Saving Private Ryan. And uh, maybe many of you have seen the film. How many of you have seen the film, Saving Private Ryan? And I wanted to watch the opening. uh, (laughs) I'm just trying to talk about it. and I can feel my emotions like surging behind me like a wave. Um, I wanted to watch the family uh, walk there on Omaha Beach there in France. And following their father, who was an American hero, American soldier who had fought there on D-Day. And they are watching their dad. And, and this masterful music, as Spielberg does, is playing. And, and the man is just kind of stumbling his way and making his way through the cemetery to find this particular cross. And his eyes are just welled up with tears. And the family is watching him. And they, they want to reach out and grab him so he doesn't fall and stumble. And he... 
makes his way to that cross and he falls to his knees and his eyes well up with just rivers of tears, rivers of tears. And the, somehow just the camera goes right into those eyes and you wake up there on D-Day on the beach with the, the waves just coming against the shore. And I was taken into some moments this morning as I, there were some things that I was just kind of capturing in and out of my sleep that I wanted to capture this morning and begin to pray for our beloved nation that I love with all of my heart. Oh. See, the future, <clears throat> the future truly does belong to the righteous. Amen. But the future is dependent upon citizens that have a true sense of history. It is dependent. This nation is dependent upon citizens that understand history, that they have a true sense of understanding, but they also know their place in history. You have to know your place. You have to discern your season. You have to discern your time. You have to discern in this hour as a watchman, as an intercessor, as a father, as a mother, you have to discern your moment in history, how God wants to specifically use your life to define, redefine, bring a course correction to America in this hour. Are you with me? It's not a cliche that freedom is not free, is it? Because freedom comes at the highest cost. You and I know as, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we know that our true liberty and our freedom literally came at the very highest cost of the Father giving His only beloved Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so God, He sent forth His Son, it says, not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. We understand that when, when the Father gave Jesus, He gave all that He had to give. Everything, everything was the consummation within Jesus' life that the Father had to give to all of humanity. He did not withhold anything. He gave His very, very best in His Son. Isn't that magnificent? That the Father would not withhold His very best. Again, it was all that the Father had to give. But we also understand this as Americans today, that our freedom was paid by our patriots. Our freedom was founded by our brave men and women, our true heroes that fought for us. It was the highest price. We must preserve this in this hour. This is so key. We must preserve the power and the understanding of what it truly costs to bring freedom. We must preserve this revelation so that we are not a people caught up in ourselves, caught up in the fluff of our time, but we have the gravity and the weight and the understanding that this is our watch, this is our time, this is our responsibility. We have to own this time. We have to own this time. Are you with me? It's important that we remember sacrifices. It's important that you take time this weekend to sit down 
and remember sacrifices. It's important that you silence your life and you allow yourself to think deeply about the generational blessing that we're seated in right now. We are literally seated. I'm standing right now in a generational legacy. I am standing in a generational blessing because of those who went before us in this magnificent nation. That's sobering. When you think about, see, because you have to find your place. You have to find your purpose, your destiny for this time. Just please, my friends, do not just go through life casually. Don't go through life in neutral. When we set aside uh, aside time, It causes us to think about the past. And a lot of times we want to be unshackled from the past. I'm talking about the things that you need to cherish from the past. Because when you do, you actually gain a sense of moving into God's providential work. And it gives us a greater confidence to literally face our future. Amen? Memorials. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 9 for a moment. Genesis 9. And I want to set some things in place here scripturally. Because God is a God who... He loves to capture and create memories with us. But He also loves for us to go back and capture that place once again so that we can be refreshed and draw forth even fresh anointing from what was. See, God is the God. Jesus Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let that just wash over you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And where God met you, where, where God romanced your heart, where the sweetness of Jesus became real to you and manifested to you, how the Lord courted you and wooed you in, those places are still alive. They are not dead. They are literally still alive. You can go back to those places even still and be refreshed in it. Do you remember when God is, God is so gracious? I want to give you a prophetic picture. God is so gracious that you see Samson who was told not to be in the vineyard. How many of you remember that? It says that a lion came after him and he ripped the lion in two. But later on in the story, you find out that Samson actually went back to that place of strength and power and he reached up inside the carcass of a dead lion and there was a honeycomb there was there was that fresh honey and it says he refreshed himself I'm giving you a prophetic picture that there are places that you have been with God that God wants you to remember God wants you to remember it will rekindle your heart it will rekindle your very soul there can be Pieces that God needs to put back together before you now. Those pieces are now, perhaps you're, you're in a new time in life, and now when you reach in to grab that piece, that piece will suddenly fit. It didn't fit before, but you'll reach up inside of there, and there will be that fresh honey. There will be that fresh piece that God will say, now this fits. Are you with me tonight? 
And I believe that when we sit before the Lord and we sit this weekend and we pause our lives and we honor this great nation, we need to let thanksgiving roll over our spirit and out of our hands and out of our mouths to glorify the Lord, to praise Him for this great nation. Amen. I want to give you an example tonight. This is, I love this. This is Genesis chapter 9. And God establishes a rainbow. Everybody say rainbow. See, this is, a, a rainbow is not a flag of arrogant pride. A rainbow is not some perverted, immoral movement. We need to redeem this. The rainbow came from our Father. I want to say that again. The rainbow came from our Father. And it came tonight, write it down, it came as a sign of a covenant. This rainbow was given as a sign of a covenant to Noah. God said that He would not flood the earth again to destroy all flesh. And it was a reminder. Remember, the rainbow was literally a reminder of two things. The first is God's judgment. He did not want us to forget God's judgment. We don't often think of that, about that when we see the rainbow, do we? But he did not want us to forget about God's judgment in the past. But the rainbow also reminds us of the promise for the future. And I'm beginning to read in verse 8. And then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you. Who is God? God is the covenant-keeping God. He's not only our Father. He's the covenant-keeping God. I keep covenant with you and your descendants after you. That's you and I tonight. And with every living creature that was with you. The birds, the livestock, all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you. Every living creature on the earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant I am making between you and me and every, ever, every living creature with you. Oh my gosh, I just feel this tonight as I'm reading these words. God is a personal God. God is a personal God. He's making covenant between Him and between us. I've set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring the clouds on the earth and the rainbow appears in the cloud, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Do you see that? Did, did, you, did you catch it? God stirs himself up with what he manifests and says, I will remember. Every time, every time it manifests, we have so many double rainbows here in Sarasota. It's absolutely magnificent. We need to remind ourselves we are sons and daughters of a covenant-keeping God. I believe we need reminded of this tonight. We've seen something so deceitful manifesting in this generation concerning the rainbow. Let's redeem it. Amen? Let's redeem it. It belongs to the Lord. It belongs to us. He's the covenant-keeping God. He's the everlasting God. 
Whenever the rainbow appears, verse 16, in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all the living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all the life on earth. Write it down tonight, covenant keeping God. In Exodus chapter 12, and it's okay back there, guys. I didn't give you these scriptures, but put them in your notes tonight. In Exodus chapter 12 and chapter 13, the Lord brings the children of Israel through 10 epic, epic plagues in, in Egypt. And now the children of Israel are literally about to leave enslavement. But there is one last plague that is about ready to hit Egypt and turn it literally upside down where the death angel would be released to go through Egypt. And God instructed Moses and instructed the children of Israel to take that lamb and bring it into their home that entire week and let it stay with them. Let let them investigate that lamb to make sure it was a pure lamb among them and then sacrifice that lamb, take the blood of that lamb and put it over the post of their doors. The death angel went through Egypt, and by that blood, they were saved. By the blood, they were saved. The next day, they left in freedom. Do you know that God told Moses, he said, I've established a precedent here that I never want you to forget. I always want you to remember this day. I never want you to forget The precedent of the blood. He was speaking prophetically to every generation that by the power of the blood we would be delivered from darkness and bondage forever. Amen. The gospel's good news, isn't it? It's good news. But every year, if we went to 1 Samuel, we know the story. We're there now at a place in time where the Ark of the Covenant at the beginning of 1 Samuel, is resting in a city called Shiloh. And those of you that went to Israel with us, you will remember Shiloh. And the Ark of the Covenant rested there, according to Scripture, historically, 369 years. This is before the Ark ever made its way to Jerusalem. Its resting place became the city of Shiloh. It's where Joshua, once they came into the promised land, they chose Shiloh and set up the camp. And when we come into 1 Samuel, we get introduced to this woman named Hannah. How many of you remember Hannah? You remember Eli the priest and Hophni and Phinehas, his wicked sons, and and Eli's backslidings. We remember all of that. But what I want to draw your attention to is that when we begin 1 Samuel, we get introduced to this guy named Elkanon, and he has this wife named Hannah, and it says every year they are coming up to Shiloh. Now, why are they doing that? They're coming up to Shiloh to celebrate Passover. Every year. They were coming for the feast of the Lord. Why were they doing that? Because God was setting precedent. God was setting divine order. And practically, what was God doing? I want you to remember. Are you with me tonight? I love this about God. 
Because God cherishes moments of divine revelation that He releases to us, and they're always living. They're always breathing. They're always bringing life. Joshua, would you go there? Joshua chapter 3. And I, I want to take you into a story I think many of us know so well. As Joshua is about ready to take the children of Israel into the promised land, and the, the Levites are directed to carry the Ark of the Covenant into the river. And as they do, it says that when the priest's feet hit the river, the Jordan River, that the river literally heaps up to the city of Adam, and they walk through on dry ground. And the Ark of the Covenant goes before them. And I think, guys, I'm going to go straight to chapter 4. Rather than reading through, through chapter 3 tonight, I'm going to go right to chapter 4 to the memorial stones. And I love this instruction, chapter 4, are you there? And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourself twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, Take for yourself 12 stones from here. Notice where? Out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them with you as you leave to your lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you shall take the stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this will be a sign among you when your children... Ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean? Verse 7, then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan, they were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan and the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Don't you love that? Powerful. How many of you remember, for those of you that were on the team, remember where we went to the Jordan where Steve actually presented me this ring? That's literally where they believed the children of Israel crossed over and the waters at that time were at flood stage. And in chapter 3, you can see this magnificent story where Joshua is telling the people they are consecrating themselves unto the Lord and he's saying... God is about to do something magnificent among us. Consecrate yourself unto the Lord. And he says, let the ark go first, bearing upon the priest's shoulders. And they took the ark of the covenant. They stepped in. The waters heap up and roll back. And they walk through on dry ground into the promised land. And then God gives the instruction. He says, I want you to take... One man from each tribe. I want the, these men to gather these stones up out of the bedrock of the Jordan River where the priests are standing bearing the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. Take those rocks up and as you go on where you lodge, you're going to build a memorial. What is God doing? He's teaching them, I want you to remember. I want you to remember. I want you to remember. The time's going to come where your, your children, they're going to be growing up and they're going to they're pull on your coat. Dad, what, what does this mean? Mom, 
what does this mean? You say, ah, yeah, let me tell you. Let me tell you when God did this for our family. This is where we were. This is where we lived. This is what was going on in our world at this time. Let me tell you how God became the way maker for us. Where there literally seemed to be no way. God blew open the sea, so to speak, for us. And literally became the way. As Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And the revelation of Jesus came and he became the way maker. Come on, give him praise tonight. See, when we were in Shiloh, you'll remember all of, the, all of the mountains surrounding where they believe the Ark of the Covenant rested. What was on those mountains? Clay pots. Remember that? They were filled with clay pots. And it was because the children of Israel would come up for Passover and they would sit in the seven hills of Shiloh. This is before, again, the ark went to, before the ark went to Jerusalem. They would sit there in those hills observing the ark of the covenant and observing the priest making atonement for sin. It's a powerful picture. I want to take you to another story tonight. You want to put it in your notes. It's in the book of Esther. And in the book of Esther, it records for us this plot by a a man named Haman who was possessed. He was a high official of King Ahasuerus' court, and he desired to literally annihilate and bring genocide to the Jews. But yet the plot was reversed because of the effects of Queen Esther, because of her courage, because of her boldness for such a time as this. She was raised up and brought into the kingdom, and you know the story. And because of her, literally to this day, there is a feast amongst the Jewish people. It's called the Feast of Purim. And the Feast of Purim, what does it do? It literally remembers and captures the story of God sending Esther when they are on the brink of genocide, when they are on the brink of becoming to an an extinction. God sends Esther in for such a time as this. Every year, the Jewish people, they remember the Feast of Purim. I'm making a simple point tonight. It's very important that we pause our lives and we sit down and we reflect. We think deeply. We remember our steps. We recount our steps with God. We recount the place where He started bringing our lives to come up into the mountain of the Lord our God, to the house of Jacob, that He may teach us His ways and we may walk in His paths. Some of us will go to graves this weekend. I know that my mom and dad, I know that my brother will, they will go to my grandfather's grave, who is a a war hero to our family. He's a true hero. But graves are a common sign of remembrance for us. They were to Israel, they are to us. Abraham actually established a place called Metzphelah, And it means the cave of the patriarchs. It's actually down near the the Dead Sea. We didn't have time to get down there, but I wanted to take you there. It's actually a grave site that became a place that Abraham wanted to memorialize all of his descendants. The scripture tells us a story, interestingly enough, about Jacob 
that when, um, when Rachel died, um, Jacob was far too away from his family, and so he created a burial site for Rachel. He created a pillar, and it, he put a mark on it uh, for her gravesite. Why did he do that? He wasn't with his family, but he set it up as a memorial to remember. In Psalms chapter 38, you put it in your notes, Psalms chapter 38 and Psalms chapter 70, King David wrote these songs with the purpose of memorializing what God had done. You read through these psalms, you think about the psalms, it, it literally memorializes what God had done. You read the psalms, you read history. You read the psalms, you read their journey, you read their ups, you, you, you read their downs. You're in the mystery of the journey of life. But David did it, why? So that he would remember he would call to remembrance those things that God had done in his life and in his world. Am I making my point? It's so vitally important that we never, never forget our history as a nation. Mm. Probably one of the most epic examples tonight that I wanted to use is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And two things that was given to the church as sacred is water baptism and communion. And Paul, when he begins to explain the purpose and the procedure of the Lord's Supper and the Lord's communion, he explains it in this way. That Jesus said that both the bread represented his body and the cup that would represent his blood Literally, they were to be taken how? In verse 24 and 25, Jesus said, do this in what? Do this in remembrance of me. This is so vitally important. How many of you remember the day where Jesus was saying woe to the Pharisees and woe to the Sadducees? And he gave this stunning rebuke. And he said, let me tell you what I think of you in your ministry. He said, when you die, he said, you're going to be like an unmarked grave that everyone walks over and no one will remember you've even been here. That's, that's not Brian, that's Jesus. Jesus was intense. <laughs> that's intense. Saying that they would never be remembered. But Jesus gives this command for Holy Communion. He was saying, this is my body, this is my blood given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I think it's important this Memorial Weekend that we remember military families. I think it's important that we remember to pause our lives and pray for them. To sit before the Lord and just strategically begin to pray for families. Pray for governmental officials. Pray for soldiers that are here on the mainland. Pray for soldiers that are in other nations right now that are deployed fighting battles and on the watch. Pray for the generals that instruct President Trump. Pray for President Donald John Trump. That he has the mind and the wisdom that is, that is fed by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And counselors that are, that are receiving the inspiration 
of the Holy Spirit. We desperately need the counsel of God. We desperately need the wisdom of God that comes down from above that is first pure. We need that level and dimension of wisdom this hour. We cannot rely on the strategies and just the mere wisdom and counsel and knowledge of man that has failed us utterly and made us fools to the world. Pause your life. Take your time. Make yourself lists. I, I, I encourage you. Guys, buy a journal. Write in your journal. Don't just use your, your notes and your phone. Just get a journal. Write it down. Because you're going to get some inspiration from God while you're praying. And you hear yourself praying and learning how to release that power that's in your mouth that Cody led us in tonight. When you release the power and the authority that's in your mouth and you begin to decree as, so that these things can be established for our nation, you're going you're to come under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You're going to hear yourself pray and stuff and go, wow, you're going to come back and write that down. You need to take precious time before the Lord to pray, to lift up our Navy, lift up our Marines, lift up our Army, lift up our Air Force. It's vitally important in this hour, ladies and gentlemen. Things are shifting dramatically in the nation's. It's sobering, isn't it? Our men and women in uniform, they deserve our honor. They have been ridiculed. They have been belittled. They have not been appreciated. And I want to encourage you. I think many of you are probably very good at this. But every time you see a soldier... Every time you see a vet, love them, thank them, extend your hand of appreciation, show your gratitude, show your honor, extend your value. It's so important. I love when I'm on a flight, and I love when they tell us the soldiers that are on the flight, and everyone in the plane goes bananas and starts clapping for them. It's exhilarating. I love it. And to watch our soldiers walk through those planes and people smiling at them and reaching out and shaking their hand. And I've been on those flights to shake their hand one after another. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to go back to the front of this train. See, because I believe it's so important that in this generation we recapture what honor and nobility is. We have to recapture the very essence of what it means to love our nation, to bless our nation. To stand as men in integrity. To stand as women in integrity. To honor God. To honor the kingdom of God. To be peacemakers. To stand in the place of being watchmen. Of being intercessors. Of being worshipers and warriors. Our nation needs you. Our nation needs you now. Our, our nation needs you to be alert and strong and brave and courageous now. I charge you tonight, live a life of honor. Amen? Live a life of honor. Live a life of nobility. I think what I'd like us to do is put our Bibles aside tonight. And I'm going to pray for a while. 
And Cody, you can just stay with your wife. We're just going to shift. We're going to move into a time of prayer. And then we're going to open up the altars in just a few moments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we are so grateful for our beloved nation. We are so grateful to be alive in this time. And I thank you that this is our time. This is our hour, our watch. Father, we humble ourselves as your sons and daughters on the behalf of our country tonight. I believe this is a strategic weekend, Lord. Tonight we want to call upon you for the healing of our land. The healing of our land and the deliverance of America from its waywardness and stony heart. I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for our rebellion. You would forgive us for our pride, our stubbornness. God, would you forgive the prodigal heart of America? You are the merciful one, Father. You are the covenant-keeping God. You are the everlasting God. We have failed you so terribly, Lord, and we repent of it. We come humbly, Lord, and we repent for America tonight. Draw us back to you. Holy Spirit, move upon this land. Move upon this great nation in power. Move upon us, God. And cause the fear of the Lord and the honor of the Lord to be released. To recapture the very soul of this nation. I pray, Lord, for our president. I thank you for Donald Trump. I thank you, Lord, for all of his imperfections. I thank you, Lord, for his, for his journey. I thank you for how you've trained him. I thank you for the tools that you have put in this man's mind, in this man's hands, and in his administration. Mostly, God, I thank you for the reprieve for mercy in this hour and for him to stand and love this nation. And to stand boldly for truth. And we bless him tonight, Lord. We bless him. We pray that the Holy Spirit would come upon him in such a way that it would be life-changing, transformational wonders and power released upon our president. Give him a heart to understand, Lord. Give him a heart to yield and surrender. Give him a heart to be taught by you, O oh God. Holy Spirit, breathe. 
upon our military this weekend. Refresh our military, Lord. Refresh our soldiers. Refresh their families. Refresh their wives. Refresh their husbands and their children, oh God. Every one of their houses, Lord, just as the Lamb's blood was marked on that door, Lord, you know the homes that are military families. Those homes are marked. And Lord, we're praying refreshing upon these families, those that will freshly grieve this weekend, Lord, for their sons and daughters that were lost in combat. We're asking fresh anointing and refreshing upon their hearts, Lord. We pray the comfort of the Holy Ghost upon them, Lord, and for your interventions and for peace to be released and healing to come within families this weekend, Lord. We specifically, Lord, lift up those that are grieving even now. That you will bring inner healing. You will bring cleansing and restoration in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Would you do that? Cody, come. Just, just play lightly. Why don't you take a hand? I believe that our president, and I'm not saying this to sound provocative, I believe our president is alive only because of God and because the church is praying. So, Lord, we're asking for your divine intervention upon America divine intervention. Our hearts cry, Lord, is for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that you would unleash a move of the Spirit of God upon your people and upon your bride and that revival would sweep this nation, Lord, from the Carolinas to California and that awakening would be birthed forth again, Lord, a brand new dawn, a brand new awakening would be loosed upon the United States of America. That, Lord, you would come in such a way that you would bring cleansing, cleansing and purging by your holy fire. Lord, from the White House, through the Supreme Court, through the Senate, Father, through the Congress, Lord, through the judges across this land, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you will come with your fire and you will bring cleansing and you will bring hope. Jesus, you are the hope of the nations. You are the hope of America. You're the Savior of our nation, Lord. We call upon you. We appeal to your holy throne tonight, Father. And we're asking you, Lord, as surely as the kings put forth his scepter towards Esther for mercy to be released and judgment pronounced on the enemy. Father, I'm asking from before your throne that you release forth your, your sword 
And that, Lord, you would extend farther grace and mercy. Lord, we know sin abounds, but may much more grace abound. Lord, would you pour your oceans of grace and your mercy upon America and stretch forth your sword, Lord, to deal with Haman in this hour. That spirit of Haman, Lord, would you bring judgment would you bring justice upon the enemies of this land, Lord? This land was consecrated unto you. Lord, it was given by our very founders that remembered you, that remembered to honor you, that remembered to bow their knee and serve you and, com and, and confess that Jesus Christ was Lord of the United States of America. We remember our founders. We remember our fathers tonight. Oh God. Would you bring us back? Bring us back to you. Father, you know we love our nation. We're asking for something far greater than just a patriotic move of red, white, and blue. We're asking that you come upon us in power. Father, show forth the face of your glory in your Son. Reveal Jesus to America. May the gospel of glory go forth to harvest this great land. Lord, may hard hearts May stony hearts be melted tonight at the power of your love. May prodigal hearts who have run hard and far and long, God, may their hearts be melted by the fire of your love afresh. Lord, those that are running so strong against your holy word, I pray even, Lord, for those that are bound and the perversity of these addictions and, and demanding their rights. Lord, we pray, God, that you would give these individuals, Lord, a Damascus Road encounter. You would give them a Damascus Road experience that would literally change the entire spiritual trajectory of their world, of their mind, of their lives, of their, their passions, oh God. That you would come with a delivering power that you would come, Lord, as a refiner's fire. You would come as the launderer's soap. You would come with the mighty hammer of your word. And yet you would release grace. And that your mercy would triumph over judgment. We need you, Lord. We confess our need. We confess our need. We confess our utter hopelessness, Lord, that without you, we can do nothing. So we ask for your, your wisdom, Lord, to be released from heaven and the spirit of counsel and understanding and revelation to come upon the leadership of this nation, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for the leadership of your kingdom, for apostles and prophets and pastors, teachers and evangelists, Lord, 
to be refreshed and strengthened, Lord, even now to take great courage to surge ahead for the gospel's expansion, for the kingdom to go forth to America. I pray, Lord, that churches would encounter the power and the wonder of the Holy Ghost, that miracles would become our norm. Wonders and healings would become our norm. Lord, as, I, as we prayed for Yvonne, as we've prayed for Barbara, Lord, that we will see them run, we will see them skip, we will see them walk, we will see their very lives restored back to them. Lord, we're desiring that for this very house, Lord, that this would be a house of encounter, but Lord, that your church would become, from coast to coast, houses of encounter, where the power of God comes thundering and trumpeting in, oh God. Oh God, move in power, Lord, move in power, move in power. came to bring this word tonight I, I, did, I didn't come with a premeditated way that I, I thought this message was going to come forth I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know where my volume level would be I, I didn't know the intensity of it but I feel the sweetness of Jesus and I'm, I'm purposely governing myself because I feel his sweetness in here and so tonight what I'd like to do is I'd like to open the altars for us to spend some time your personal time. I, you've, you've, you've kind of leaned your log of fire against my burning log for a bonfire for a moment. And you've, you've put your faith on my faith. But I want you to pray your own prayers tonight. I know you came into agreement. But I want to open the altars tonight so that we can just pray for our country. Let's just take some quality time. Let's not be in a hurry to leave tonight. This is a very special weekend. This is a very tender weekend. The cemeteries are going to be full. People are going to be folding flags. People are going to be crying tears. People are going to be telling stories. People are going to be remembering. So important. Would you come and pray tonight? Would you do that? And so, Father, I just thank you for victory. And I bless the family of God tonight. And may this weekend, may this memorial weekend be a weekend of your presence and a weekend of your joy. Lord, that your presence fills our homes, that your goodness fills our homes. And Lord, that, there, that there's inspiration from the Holy Spirit to bring us to places that need to be remembered and re-walked again. That Lord, we would just take up your hand again on a walk. And suddenly you would remember, you would remind us of that place, that we would remember, you would stir those places up, and that, Lord, we are refreshed in, in the most beautiful way this weekend. I thank you that you're the God that always remembers. You never need to be reminded, Lord. You never forget. You never forget. Just tonight, Lord, we sang all of your promises are yes and amen to those that believe. Tonight, Father, 
Let your promises wash over us. Let your promises wash over your men. Let your promises wash over your daughters. You're faithful. You're the covenant-keeping God. Hallelujah. And America is yours, Father. America is yours. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.